Hi, Merlin. Hey, Merlin. Wait, Woo. Where's my bell? Oh, my desk is just... Where's your bell? No, it's fine. It's just my... Okay, here we go. My, my desk is at, at sixes and sevens, but we'll get to that. Uh, good morning, Dan. It's Tuesday, April 5th. It's the optimistic day. And we have so much... I'm tumescent with content today. <laughs> I can barely I can barely sit or stand. I just have to because I, of the uh, June sixth through tenth WWDC twenty two announcement. Oh, I didn't hear about that. I was looking at Plex. Yeah. Oh. Oh, that's, that's exciting. Um, mm. Yeah, I can't sit. I can't stand. I just mostly just lean over and groan because I have so much content. I got to get this Plex out of me. Um, you know, man, my age, it's not healthy. It's not wholesome. The gaskets get leaky. Um, good morning, Dan. Would you like to do the back to work program? Yeah, well, I figure we get started on that one. See how we it just goes. okay. Here's the thing: I'm, I'm just, I, I don't like to speak to the listeners because I, I think it's unseemly. But you and I just did a pre-flight where we talked about what we're going to talk about, which we never do. I know this is the first time in 572 no, episodes we've done that. Many, is it? It's the first time. First time. All right. So I never know how to start. Dan, exciting breaking news! I need to talk about this. I would talk about this even if I weren't a giant fan of Plex. But given that I am a giant fan of Plex, may I, may I share something with our listeners? I would like to first be told what Plex is, but yes. Okay, Plex is a probably grandchild, great-grandchild of, I want to say, XBMC. But like a long time ago, people realized, hey, it'd be really cool if I could, I think in that instance, on my Xbox. I got this Xbox. I'm talking out of my butt here. This is before my time. But, but there was a time when people thought, it'd be kind of cool. I got this little hard drive in here. It'd be neat if I could have my media on here and watch it. My, my legally ripped DVDs or uh, you know, open source documentaries or whatever. That would be neat. Long story short, that evolution has come a really long way. Uh, and now the big players I think of as, I think Plex, Plex is probably the biggest, MB is another, there are several of these kinds of things, but the basic idea is that, I mean, let's say what it is, you take your, the media that you have as digital files, primarily movies and TV shows, although it does other things, but mainly what you need to know is that the Plex is a way for you to organize those libraries and the, the real smart, smart well, several things that are smart about Plex, including that it's pretty good at pulling down correct metadata for all your stuff. So, you know, if you've got a copy of, you know, The Sneeze, uh, you can go get the metadata for that, pull all that up. And then, of course, the thing that makes that so powerful is you're, you're no longer stuck with, you know, looking at it on this one Xbox. Um, the existence of those libraries... Um, are known by all of your Plex devices and instances. So, for example, I have a Synology at home, I have a Synology at the house. <clears throat> they each have media on it. And that enables me to pull up Plex on my Apple TV and then and then watch my, my open source Thomas Edison film title on... Um, on uh, on my Apple TV, and I but I mean like the 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 Plex has tried over the years to kind of get beyond the idea of like God I despise the term pirating. It's 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 really dumb. I mean like you know John Valjean, you know he sold a loaf of bread for his family. Look down, look down. But I'm just saying, if you have some loaves of bread, um, this will take care of that for you. But they're really, they've been trying to move more into some of their directions, uh, a little silly. Like they, they do now at Plex has like, hey, you can watch this 80s buddy comedy with lots of ads for Geico. Or like they have this 
interesting thing I have not gotten to work, but apparently works, where if you've got ROMs of like old video games, you can play video games. Oh, it has like a main. Ma- yeah, emulator? it's like a main. Okay. It's like a main emulator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's really cool. I didn't even realize that. But I mean, really, the the core. It's almost in some ways it reminds me a little bit of the glory days of Dropbox or the glory days mm. of Evernote. Dan, um, for reasons I'll get into in a little bit, I've got a new computer and I needed to reinstall Dropbox. And I had remnants of bits of Dropbox, but I wanted to start, you know, kind of fresh with it. We'll, we'll definitely get into this. And like, I could not find the download link for Dropbox. I'm like, there's so many menus and sub menus and I'm logged in, I'm going here and I realize I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I remember this feeling when Evernote got over its skis, when Evernote went from being this very clever way of recording and getting to your information to an ecosystem of like, here's an app where you can use the cover on your iPad to give yourself a quiz or here's a recipes thing. And it just became so unwieldy and and just too big. And I think it's probably fair to say Dropbox is like that. If you think about the scale of Dropbox and the use of Dropbox, the hairiness of all the different things it does and all it wants to do on your Mac is really disconcerting. I will also get to this. But um, but Plex did s- announce something this morning. I went and I, I uh, what was I doing? I was, oh, I wanted to watch um, watch some more Abbott Elementary. And I, um, I pulled it up and there was a big announcement thing. So this is a thing that, uh, to my knowledge, Plex just announced this morning. And mm-hmm. if you're a Plex user, especially if you're a Plex Premium Pass person, um, uh, blog post, end the streaming struggle with Plex. I'm going to keep this short. If you're a Plex user, you need to go check out our show notes. Dan, where are show notes for episode 572 of your Back to Work program? Yeah, it's going to be backtowork.limo slash 572. So uh, I'm going to speak here to people who are familiar with Flex, Plex. If you're not familiar with Plex, it's worth checking out. It's a world. It's an ecosystem. Having Plex on a Synology Oh my goodness, it's powerful, but boy, is it, is it ever a lifestyle? Because you're going to get into a lot of stuff um, that, you know, fortunately, once you set it up, it pr- works pretty well, but it is a, a, a worldview. This is not something you're going to install and be using in three minutes, not because it's difficult, but because there's just a lot to, like, in my case, having uh, like 12 terabytes of open source mm-hmm. movies. Um but here's the thing. I'm going to speak to our, to, to our Plex listeners. Hello. What this does is it's going to bring more of the outside world into your Plex, by which I mean you can wrangle so much stuff that's not in your library. You already have the ability to share your library with friends and vice versa, which is very cool. But like one of the things, for example, Syracuse and I are forever bitching about this on Reconcilable Differences. We had a whole episode recently about streaming apps and John's blog posts about, you know, the table stakes of streaming apps and how they're, they're all really wanting in almost not every way, but there's no, it's Anna Karenina. Like there's none of them that are that good, but mm-hmm. you find yourself like if there's stuff you want to do, there's some things you can only do on a computer, even with, or even or especially with Plex. Time was you couldn't go and create smart playlists on your Apple TV, perhaps understandable, but okay, well, that implies that you need a computer to do that. It's like back in the day when I'm back on Sprint, I used to love the fact that I could edit my bookmarks in a web browser and then it would show up on my, on my feature phone. But there's something frustrating about needing to do that. Where do you keep track of what you're watching? Well, use Tracked. All right, 
tracked, whatever. Like you can do that. You can install that on Plex. That'll work. But for example, I still use Apple Notes. My kid just had uh, Spring Break Jubilee, and I, I made a note as I do for like the you know the foods we want to eat, the shows we want to watch. It's just easier to keep track of that stuff somewhere like TV Time. TVTime.com. I'll put it in notes. Is a, a really uh, pretty cool site for saying. You log in, you get creds, and you say, like, uh, here's the shows I want to watch. Track these for me. It's kind of a manual version of Tracked, T-R-A-K-T. I should write these down. Tracked and TV time. Or the other, another one I use all the time is uh, JustWatch.com, which is the best place I know to say, okay, here's the streaming services I have. Now, show me all the places I can watch this. Or what's really cool, actually, also, is show me where I can buy this. It's fairly well updated. It's not, you know, up to the second. But if you want to get a 4K HD of The Dark Knight, it'll show you where you can click to get that. That's all very handy. But once again, now we're into all these silos. I have silos for where I keep track of things I want to watch in the future. Ugh, don't love that. I have silos for finding what's out there. I have silos, you know, some cases it's, you know, could be go, go to Rotten Tomatoes. It could be I follow people on Letterboxd. I get a lot of good ideas from there. What they're introducing today, I would say that probably the biggest feature they're offering today seems really simple, and it's a watch list. So, okay, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, this scratches an itch I've had for a long time, which is I wish I had a central, the way I said it on RecDiffs was, I wish I had a shelf. I wish I had a shelf where I could say, hey, look, we always want to watch The Office or, you know, Parks and Rec or... God, recently, Mr. Mayor, such a funny show. It's basically 30 Rock, except instead of NBC TV, it's the mayor of uh, L.A., played by Ted Danson. It's really funny. Um, what the watch list does is, well, first of all, let's say you've got movies and TV stuff in your library that you'd like to put into this sort of notional shelf. You can do that. You click a button, it goes into watch list. Watch list is stuff I want to watch or stuff I am watching, right? But then they've also introduced this new search functionality where a la... Um, just watch, you go in and say, in my case, I've got Hulu, I've got Criterion, I've got Peacock, I've got Apple TV Plus, here's all the providers for stuff that I have. Guess what? You go in and you search. The example they gave is really good. Go search, and once you've got this installed, go search for Little Miss Sunshine. And I can send you a screen grab of this. When you search for Little Miss Sunshine, if it's in yours or your pal's libraries, you can see it. But... There's also just a generic click here page for Little Miss Sunshine, irrespective of your libraries, whether you have a legally ripped copy of it or whatever. This is a big step forward because now you say, add Little Miss Sunshine to my watch list. Well, where is it? Well, guess what? When you go to the detail page for Little Miss Sunshine, it's going to show you that this is available on Hulu. This is available on here. This is available on there. Example from what I posted on the internet this morning, uh, the TV show Severance that is really wild. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm really, I'm, it's, I mean, we could do the rest of the show. Just I, this one, that, I said this last honest. night to, um, I think to Biorhythmist, I'm taking this one slow. I don't want to. I don't want yeah, no, to over binge on this because no, there's no, a no. one episode per session, max, <laughs> maybe even half. Yes, there are definitely. It's like watching Showa. You really, it's not. A, it's not it's a contest. Crazy. Um, no. So, Little Miss Sunshine. Let me go to my watch list. I'm clicking, and for example, let's say where's a movie in here. Well, just a straightforward one. If I click on, well, these are all on services, but if I click on Severance, um, which I don't have in my library. 
guess what? There's a button right there to click and it goes straight to Apple TV Plus, straight to the TV show Severance. Deep dive into the series page right from your watch list. So like, right, and, and here's the beauty part too, two more cool things because it's always two watch lists with me. Your watch list can have whatever you want in it. It's not limited to, in the past, one slight frustration you know, Plex is very much based on libraries. I have a library called movies. I have a library called TV shows. I have a library called home videos. I have a library called cat videos. You can create any libraries you want. I got one library that's just fan edits and special editions of Star Wars movies. Or, you know, all of my, like, wackadoo, these don't belong anywhere else, and it'll screw up the metadata, gets confused, libraries. It's kind of frustrating. This used to be siloed in the sense of that, you know, they don't really mix. You can have... Um, God, this amazing thing where you can, you can create what are called collections, which key off of like TMDB um, collections. So you can say like, here's a collection of James Bond movies. Mm. If you had the right software for that, you could do things like say, hey, I really like James Bond movies. Get me every James Bond movie in this collection or get me everything in this Battle Royale collection or whatever, Godzilla movies. There's collections for so many things on the movie database. It keys off of that. That's cool, but... Everything in my Star Trek collection, well, there's a Star Trek collection on TV, there's a Star Trek collection on movies, and, you know, maybe I'm a weirdo, but, like, for example, if you wanted to watch The Suicide Squad and then Peacemaker, because you kind of got to watch Suicide Squad first, um, those didn't mix. Guess what? Watch list. You put anything you want in it. So anything you want from your library, anything you want from other people's libraries, anything you want from stuff you don't have in a library. I just added The Tourist, which is a really good um, HBO Max show, super pumped, uh, Flag Means Death. And these all live in this watch list. Second, that watch list, this is so big, syncs to all of your devices. So whether you're on a Mac or an iPad, or an Apple TV, or presumably a Roku, or whatever, your watch list is available from all of those places. This is your TV and movies that you want to watch or are watching are synced everywhere. This is a big deal. I think it's really impressive. Um, I have not used it yet on my Apple TV because I just saw it this morning at my uh, private office. But um, Plex is really neat. You should check it out. And this is a big addition um, for users that I think is, is very promising. And I wanted to share that. Yeah, no, I think it's great that you did, and I just saw it this morning, too. I think the other thing that's kind of interesting is just the way that they are integrating searches. The whole Discover so like, example, tab is really interesting, because I, I was really, really worried that when I clicked on that, it was going to be shovels full. Of, it's like the way Spotify wants you to listen to J Random Podcast. I thought it was going to be their usual BS of like, hey, you know, go watch this, you know, 48 hours ripoff from 1983 with ads, but it's not. It's like... Hey, here's a bunch of stuff. Here's things that are trending on your services. And those are all actually shows that I have watched. Mrs. I don't love them all, but Mrs. Maisel, Daredevil, Gilded Age. God, Gilded Age is so good. We Crashed, not good. But it's all there. And then stuff from your watch, it's all there under Discover. But the search thing, isn't it wild? It's really, it's, yeah. I was saying to somebody on Twitter, someone was saying, I, uh, Plex is like, I hate that app on Apple TV. And I was like, I think Plex on Apple TV is actually a model, personally a model for dealing with weird, disparate, large data sets in a way mm -hmm. that almost every streaming app can't even handle. Like, you have so many dumb silos to visit 
whether that's on Hulu or I don't want to slag HBO Max because I, I have really come around. Peacock is pretty good at this. But the fact that you can have all these different libraries and then search against all of those is really powerful. And then bringing in the outside world, uh, just the fact that you can have that and then click really elevates this above the idea of this being, you know, uh, the the pirate machine. Yes. And what I think is really, really cool about what Plex is has done here, especially what you were just talking about, like with the search, with the watch list, with all of this other stuff, is that like who wants to worry about or think about where these different shows are that we like yeah. or that we got recommended or whatever? Like, who cares? I don't want to have to go searching for them. I don't want to have Apple to, TV which, tries, but service. Netflix. Yeah, but Netflix is not in the mix, and right. and it's there's not. a game in our house now that's just the darkest game title, which is I. I it says, "Oh, you can look at, <laughs> hey, check it out, dude. You can go watch this show on Amazon Prime Video. Oh, that's cool." And I turn to my kid and I go, "Should I do it?" And they go. No, don't click it. Because you know it's going to happen. You know, you yeah. know, I'm going to click yeah. that prime, and it's going to say available for purchase, three ninety nine per episode. Because there's no way to cite the not silo. I'm done using that word. There's no way to say, look, don't show me stuff I can buy. Like Apple TV does that, but one, I get it, and two, it's much easier to understand. With Prime now, I always feel like I'm getting snookered. It's it's like you know their 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 app is when when Syracuse and I went I I kind of did a quick quick and dirty sort of rating based on based on factors <laughs> of um all my streaming services and which ones I like most and least and the one that got lowest on almost everything in my score personally was Prime Now Prime Video um, mm-hmm. that drives me crazy but this is this is all in there it's stuff you want to see of course like all good features. Being the horrible person I am, my immediate thought is, ooh, it'd be great if I could have multiple watch lists, or I could have one for family movies, you know, um, one for after everybody's gone to bed movies, you know, the the kind of like, not, 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 you know, guy movies, but like, nobody wants to watch this but me. Right. This is when you're sort of... In, in my your, repose. Um, I'm usually, I'm usually watching, <laughs> I'm usually watching yeah. um, one video for Under Pressure by Queen, a new mix, a different mix uh-huh. of Under Pressure by Queen. Uh-huh. It's the, it's life-changing, but my family doesn't want to see that. My kid doesn't want no, to see that. Don't. My kid just wants to play Genshin Impact while something they've watched 40 times plays in the background. Piece of crap. Yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. Plex, thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, our main topic, I think, this week is going to be more on calendars. It sounds like you are having uh, having some real world, um, not bad things, but like you have a need. Just experiences. Yeah. Beyond the abstract, here's how to philosophically think about calendars. You've got some real world calendar stuff that we can talk about. Can, can I just introduce kind of something I've been dancing around that I, we so rarely talk about actual tech and productivity Co-op tech and productivity on here. Can I mention a project mm. I'm working on that's not very interesting but might be interesting? I would love to hear about this. This is my whole new, th- whole new thing I'm dealing with here, which is I've got a new computer and I'm getting a new monitor, but um, do I throw the old ones away? No. I'm going to have a Mac and a display that I use, and then I'm going to have another Mac and another display that I use. I'm going to hang that second that Mac, uh, the Mac Mini for that second Mac, I'm going to have a monitor, my old um, pfft, LG Ultrafine, 
hanging off mm-hmm. of VESA for that. And guess what? Now I've got a media watching monitor. I've got what I'm going to do, Dan, because you keep encouraging it. I'm going to at least try to have a separate, mostly dedicated recording setup mm-hmm. that I can grab and go. And um, I, I want to mention just a couple things I've been doing that I think are interesting. But the big thing is, we'll see. I mean, I've been having such good fortune with universal control so far. It really is like magic. I use it constantly. I got a couple iPads and two computers here, and I'm forever jumping between all of them. And I just can't believe how well it works. But this will kind of be the test because me having this second setup on the desk unobtrusively really turns on the ability to use universal control. So it's a, it's a, it's a real practical test bed for that, you know? I don't want to deal with a KVM or, you know, if I had to deal with a KVM or two keyboards or what have you, I, I wouldn't do it. I don't, I don't need to do this. It's kind of just one of my projects, but um, I'm interested in this. And I'll talk more about it once everything is like set up. But I, can I mention just a couple of things I'm doing that I think are kind of interesting that might interest the listener? Say yes. I mean, that's what we're here Thank to hear. Thank you so much. I'm a huge fan of um, those little Samsung SSDs. Um, like the, what is it? The, the blue one and the black one. I've got the T5 and the T7. T5 is, is plenty enough good. The, the, the blue T7 um, is just faster. Um, I don't know how durable they are for, you know, taking hits, you know, over years. But um, I, I swear by these things. I've, I've bought more of them. I've got probably four that I use right now. I use them for recording off my video camera. I use them for moving media from place to place. I mean, what do you use a hard drive for? Well, everything. Um, sometimes I don't want to have to sync over the internet my, my copy of uh, The Sneeze. Sometimes I'll just throw that on a thumb drive or a Samsung and take it. But I also use these in my day-to-day and I, I, I want to talk about really quickly ways that I'm using these external drives. So, so I've got three of these that I'm using for stuff now. And so there's one that's just called outside APFS and it's a two terabyte, two terabyte, Dan, I'm upgrading some of my Plex or some of my rather Synology stuff along the way. This, this morning I held up a hard drive to my kid I said, you see this? I said, this is a 16 terabyte hard drive, which won't mean a lot. But what I need you to know is that the first hard drive I had access to was a Jasmine backpack that was, I think, 20 megs. And I know this is an unfair comparison because we're talking about, you know, 32 years difference. But I used to be all I had was disks, right? All I had was floppies. Sorry, floppy disks for all of my thesis work, all of that. It wasn't until I graduated and started doing desktop publishing that I nicked long-term borrowed my friends Jasmine to do um, PageMaker. Doing PageMaker with disks, floppy disks, not a lot of fun. Um, that was a 20, 20 megabyte hard drive. So I'm going to have eight of these, well, 14 and 16 terabyte drives in my Synology. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. of those hard drives is 800,000 times larger <laughs> than, the, <laughs> than the capacity of a Jasmine backpack. <laughs> right. Which you said to a kid, whatever, it's just numbers. It's just a bunch of zeros. But that, I, I still, I, my mind is still blown by that. I still remember when we had, not a, it wasn't a CD burner, but we had this bizarre um, optical drive that we could write to. 
And so when we did backups across the network at my the office where I you know administered this admittedly poorly, we had a two gigabyte optical drive. And because you know, as with FileMaker, you had had to like make sure everybody was quit out of the app, otherwise it would crash yes. and all that kind of stuff. Yes. But that was two yes. gigabytes, and we had two. <laughs> pardon me, two of those discs, and they were incredibly costly. I don't know, Dan, I don't ever want to get so old that I stop being blown away by stuff like that. Just blows my mind. Two terabytes in this thing that is a little bigger than a business card and like, what, half of the height of my AirPods case. That still blows me away. So number one is I just have an external drive I call outside APFS. And I've been using that for, gosh, probably a year. I just hang these. I, I, I rubber band them all together, and they are secreted away, away from the desk via a cable, right? So disk number one, just shake and bake, like super useful, fast external drive because I don't want to fill up. We're still at a point where unless you are rich and patient, you're not going to have the hard drive size that you would really like. I mean, it's it gets costly. Like, when you start getting into the two terabyte plus sized Mac hard drive you buy from Apple, you get into some dough. And so my first thought was, like, it wasn't too long ago that I changed my Dropbox location to being on that external drive, which means I can be less picky about what goes on there. I'm usually like the king of selective sync. Like with this show, I'm forever, like once a week, I have a repeating task to go in and selective sync all the stuff that I don't need out of these folders. Because I don't need that clogging up everything. But putting right. that on this, you know, it's not cheap, but it's not super costly. But that can be whatever I need it to be. That's because it's an SSD and it's pretty fast. That's also where I can, for example, let's say I got a movie that I want to transcode to something different. Well, I can just shoot that off, like in my, uh, I use this thing called uh, Wondershare Uniconverter, which I don't recommend, but it's okay. But I just have, anytime, or Handbrake or whatever, I just have those shoot over to that SSD. And it's my all purpose. I want stuff that's big on here and I don't want it to clog up my drive. I don't want to have to run Daisy Disk or clean my Mac constantly to remind me what I don't need on here. Mm. I can see this being really useful for a lot of people. I think the Jason Snells of the world do this. I think Snell has a one of these or similar, like Velcro to the back of his Mac. It's really it's a really handy way to not clog up your drive with stuff. The stakes are not the same as they used to be for filling up a hard drive, but it's still not very fun to you know run out of space. That's not fun. So that that was that was the really generic solution to that. Then I added another one, and guess what that one's for? Time machine. So. Time Machine to a Synology, mm, it works, but don't get me started. There's a lot. I mean, it is really cool that it's how easy it is to set up Time Machine backups on your Synology. And it mostly kind of works sort of mostly, except when it doesn't. And except when there's a bug that causes MacBooks, you know, to kernel panic. There was a bug during the beta that would cause MacBooks to kernel panic when trying to back up, you know, to um, Synology. I still do that, but... Man, it is so great. The second drive is just a time machine backup drive. Just good old APFS. You hit the dingus. It says, do you want to use this? And now you've got those backups. Is that every backup you should have? No. You should be doing offsite no. backups too. But if you're using time machine for the thing that it was originally intended for, which is like you won't lose data from this morning, 
it's really good for that. So that's, that's drive number two. Um, and then, uh, so drive number three, um, I learned about this via Jason Snell's very good book on Apple Photos. It's in notes. Uh, it's from that Take Control series, which I really like. Um, you buy these books, they got no DRM. Snell's photo book has taught me so much, and it's always my go-to for this. So this is also documented on the Apple site, which I've included here. Guess what else? Because goes on Drive 3, my photo library. Right? That gets really big, A. And B, I want at least one of my Macs to be downloading the high-quality version for posterity. Mm-hmm. And now I don't have, you know, gigs and gigs filling up my regular hard drive because that goes off to the SSD. In passing, let me also note, this is included in, in uh, Jason's book. This sounds really complicated, but with APFS, it's not. A neat thing that you can do if you've got a drive, you can create a, I want to say, a, what's it called, a partition? You basically, you've got your APFS drive and you say, on that existing APFS drive, create another create a partition on that that has an up has a limit of you'd say let's say i don't know whatever let's let's call it a a gig or 50 gigs or whatever it is now what's neat is if you don't want to do the ssd solution here you can still have and let's say this is on your laptop where you want access to your photos but you don't want all of the photos at high resolution. Photos will, I mean, if you're using iCloud Photos, will already govern the size of what's on your local library by how much space is available. So if you want to make a partition for photos, you can do that too. I do that on my laptop. And so that way, that never gets so big that it like takes over everything. But I'm a, I'm a fancy duchess. And, I, and so that's what I do. I have my photos go to there. Now, fourth drive. This is where it gets interesting, and this is my new thing. We'll talk about this more later. I'm finally giving an honest try to a program called Maestral. Are you aware of Maestral? Maestral. Maestral. It sounds like a combination of maestro and nostril. I like that. The maestro. He takes off his pants before the show. Yes. That's played by uh, the guy who was uh, uh, Niedermeyer in... uh, Animal House of Memory. So he was also the, uh, what's that twisted sister badge doing on your uniform? That guy. That's real. Mm, Harold Faltermeyer. <laughs> oh, boom, 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 boom. That guy's done it all, really. He's a, he's a, he's a. Uh, Two movies in the Renaissance Razzi. So, oh boy, 365? No, Liquid Death this time. Oh, the wa- The water? Yeah, I saw that. I didn't understand it. It's t- it's, it's a gimmick. Yeah. They have a cool looking. Skull I know, I know. I was I've been water. exploring in order to keep me from having to buy water, New York House seltzer water. I've been exploring what is the fizziest fizzy water that I can get, and and that one actually scores very low. That one's for the delicate palate that doesn't like too much fizz, so not that much death. Yeah. It's a little death. Much like an <laughs> orgasm or, or the song by the Beths. I'll put it in notes. <laughs> oh I God. die, I die, a little death. Very good band from New Zealand. Fourth Drive. Guess what? That's where Daddy's putting his maestral, because here's what maestral is. I learned about this um, from uh, enemy of the show, um, Marco Arment. I'm very mad at Marco right now because he's trying to steal my valor about something. I can't get into it. He knows what he did. It's a lot like Manton and that Firewire Cable. Remember that? He I know, do. He I haven't he, really talked to him much He knows, since. What, he, he knows what he did. Marco, uh, who also recommended Nuts.com to me. can't say it. It's not fair to say that you're going to lend someone a cable okay. and then just never bring... So wait him. a minute. So you he lent it to you or you lent it to him? He, I, I was complaining on a call, on our team okay. call, that I didn't, couldn't get any 
find any good long firewire cables and all the ones oh, that were he, out he there said he provide one and he said he would provide man, one. He man, says, man, not only re- that, he was uh, sort of grandstanding about he's it. Big, he wasn't like, oh, I won't. Yeah. He, he was showboating. Uh, and he's like, not only do I man, have Reese is a very rich long, as Croesus. He could afford to give you six firewire cables delivered by Courier, but he didn't because that's just the kind of person he is. By placing tiny classified ads. Oh, just my God, Don LaPrey. Yeah. He's no, dead, what man. The thing was, is here's the thing. Yeah. I could have got one. Sure. I would have finally broke down and got one. Or 800. He, he left his 800? promise 800. out there. I think these were uh, right. He just dangled and that. He, you don't say, I'll, I'll give you one and then not no. do it. Because the whole thing was, I wasn't asking. No. I was just complaining. Oh, I understand. I see. Oh, and then he jumped in. Okay. Well. Oh, I got one for you. I got uh, tons of them. I got me. more firewire no, cables I know man, what to do with. I wear glasses. I'm throwing Whoa. firewire cables out the window because uh, they're taking up too much space. Uh, you Now here you want one. I'm taller one? than you. Oh, uh, I got one. Fuck it. I'm really tall. So, uh, yes, Marco, you also introduced me to nuts.com. Keep it in your pants, Overcast. He also has introduced me and some of the world to this app called Maestral. And as per earlier, oh, I hate when people say that. As I mentioned earlier, Dropbox. <laughs> as, as per, as my, per as usual, per <laughs> <laughs> come come yeah. to the come to the car show with Desiree and I. You know, you you say Desiree and me. You don't sound fan. You know what? I'll save it for the document. So so Maestro. What is Maestro? Uh, it's an open source uh, project that uh, uses the Dropbox API to give you the stuff you wanted from Dropbox 10 years ago without the stuff you get from Dropbox today. So let's get it off the table. If you are a power user, if you're an Evernote-style user of all the Dropbox crap, oh, uh, plugged in my camera, better grab those, sync my desktop. Oh, please, have have full disk access and accessibility and screen recording and probably, you know, I don't know, like rectal exams. Have fun, Dropbox, just do whatever you want. Dropbox is such a hog. It takes so much everything. It's bad. Yeah, so it's people. Bad. I have another way. Pause, yes, pause, you there. Pause. I have a. I have a question. Yes, please. About this. It's really more of a okay. comment. No, it's a okay. question. So I have this Dropbox thing, and I've had it for a long, long time. And I said, you know what? I'm only the only thing that I do with Dropbox anymore is I use it to share podcasts, my side of a yes. podcast episode with someone else. Is that's, is that's really all you use it for? Wow. Yes. I have moved everything to iCloud. I did this about a year okay. or so ago. So and and that's, mostly, that's mostly worked out for you? It has worked okay. I'm not It's doing hard like to convince him that you always want everything everywhere. I know. I want everything down. I don't want to hit It's the like cloud, when you open the whatever. notes file and realize it hasn't synced since the last time you opened notes. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, enjoy your fine. flight. It's fine. But I'm not doing a lot with that kind of sharing anymore. Right. Now, so what I did is I went into Dropbox and I configured it so that it would only sync up the one folder, which is the podcast folder, which is what I'm sharing. With, with selective sync. Yes. And then I, I, for, I don't know what happened, but now I have, I'm going to say, please don't share what I'm about to send you. Okay. But I'm going to, I'm going to send you this. I do not understand what is going on because now Merlin, this image I'm sending yes. to you, this is now what I see in my Dropbox folder. <laughs> and I don't know what any of this means. I don't know why it looks like that. I don't yeah. know what's going on. I don't know. Can I delete those? Are they links? Is it, what is that? <laughs> Why did this happen? Dan, Dan I didn't even, it's me. one computer. It's one computer. It's one computer. How can there be a selective sync conflict with one computer? I mean, I could guess, but I won't. 
but selective sync conflicts do come up in some instances pretty often. Um, like I actually have really good luck with files. I mean, I love the fact, one of the things I think is so brilliant about Dropbox is that when it fails, it fails loud and hard. And it says, I just made a poopy and it goes, look, um, conflicted copy. Like you're, you're the file that you have open on 11 computers and are constantly updating whoopsie dipsy, you know, once every couple of weeks, my task paper file that I live in all day long has a conflict and it's really not hard to figure out. It shows you, Hey, I found a problem. And so I decided to, to take off my poopy drawers and show them to you. Here it is. Mm -hmm. And that's easy to fix. You can go in. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of ways, especially with VS code, it's easy to run diffs against those things, but you know, you'll get it. I mean, it's, it's the ones that fail silently, Oof, like our children, um, that, that are that are frustrating. But um, yeah, that can happen. All right, so here's the thing: the Dropbox. I don't. I'm sorry to slag Dropbox. I, you know, they've done some good stuff, but it can be frustrating. It is a hog, and so here's what you don't get: if you're a big user mm. of, for example, all that cool stuff in the Finder, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not made of stone. I think it's kind of cool that I can open. A folder and go to subfolder, go to subfolder, right click, or, you know, do my pad here and, and say, um, uh, make this available online only. A way of saying, like, don't delete this, but take it off here. So, like, I don't need to have all of the logic assets for a, an episode of Dubai Friday on every computer. Right. I don't need it at all. That's not my no. job. I do like no. that I can right click that. I do also really like that I can right click and say, you know, share this, make a link, view this on Dropbox, all of that stuff. I'm gonna, I'm looking at giving all of that away for using Maestro because what does Maestro do? Open source project, works with the API. You log in. It's so goddamn simple, Dan. It's really refreshing because you just go in and say, in this case, on drive number four, that is now called Dropbox. And, or Maestral. And now, so it'll do all your Dropbox stuff. It does have selective sync. It's got that as well. It's not as robust as Dropbox, but that's the point. You look at poor, poor John Syracuse, he only turns Dropbox on to sync. Then he sits and stares at it on his costly monitor and then shuts it off. I've gotten just about to that point where Dropbox is such a resource hog on almost every computer. So that's my fourth drive, one of my drives. Drive number one, just loosey-goosey, all kinds of APFS fun. Um, drive number two, let's see, I got, I got photos. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, I, I should have written all this down. Oh, yeah, so photos, Maestral, Time Machine. So the idea is I, I want a fresh-ish start. I'm not starting from scratch with this computer, but I'm also trying to rethink a lot of this is this strikes me as a good opportunity to think about my whole setup here you know what it's a good time to go on un, go look at every cable that's hooked up to something because guess what it's probably a lot of them are not hooked up to anything what is this power brick for i don't know have i maximized the use of my um UPS battery backup in such a way that I plugged in the good stuff that I really need. Can I clean out some of this cruft? Can I put rubber bands around these four SSDs and put them somewhere? Um, I got these little tags I've been using for a couple years. Have you seen these little Velcro tags you can put onto cables? It makes it easy to know this cable goes to that hole. Oh, yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Anyway, I wanted to introduce this project because I'll be able to say more if Apple ever ships me my goddamn monitor. It says preparing to ship, Dan. How long is it going to say that for? Well, it said that. How long it's is it going to say that? I bought it. I, I bought it very early. 
I, not in the first round. I'm no James Thompson, but no. but it says it's arriving tomorrow and it's preparing to ship. So I really, I really hope it's at the burrito place right now. Because if it's too mm-hmm. much further away, I don't see it arriving in time. Why does this matter? You have this perfectly good LG uh, Super Trim or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, it's the monitor where, where all the, the, the firework cables just fall out of the back sometimes. And it, ah, be, be, mm. all of your discs have gone bleep bloop. Be more careful next time, dummy. Well, because also then, this ultrafine, I can't move forward with my project, such as it is, and it doesn't matter, I'm not going to die, but I can't go hang that off the VESA and do the thing and set up the other one and get rolling. I'm kind of yeah. dependent yeah. upon the right. other one, and also I just really want it. I looked at it in a store. You just want it. You ordered it. I ordered it. I wanted it. I gave him my money. Did you, have you seen the studio display in person? It's something. so pretty. It's really bright. No, I haven't seen one in person yet. I bet they're awesome. Yeah. So that's the project. And I think it's interesting because why? Why do I think it's interesting to our listeners? Because some of you nerds might be interested in that. I know some of you people, you love your minimalist desks and stuff. But I, I just, I think it's an interest. It's interesting to have an opportunity to give yourself a miniature fresh start. And I'm using this as an opportunity to take a higher level view about the stuff that I do and to start noticing stuff that I choose not to notice in my day to day, you know, for survival reasons. Like I just can't think about this tangle. I know you're, you're tidier than I am. i see my problem is I'm, t- I'm, I'm organized, but I'm not tidy. You could mm. see this in our living room where like the thing is having 45 Aiken Mills bins half filled with little things. That's not tidy. It's organized, but it's not tidy. So right. just to get on in the day-to-day, I can't be thinking about all of this all the time, but let's use this time. Let's use this as a time to think about how could I be working better or differently or in ways that are more fun, that have less friction. And, you know, what, what is, what is a, what's, what's a great use of uh, a great way to think about friction? Something... Let's just say I've got stuff like hanging off this CalDigit hub or, you know, my OWC hub that I have at home. i got stuff hanging off there. I'm not sure which cable goes to which thing. And, like, yeah, something's not working. And it's like, well, is it the daisy chain that I've spawned out of the back of the Ultrafine or whatever? Oh, also, make me put this in notes. I think I discovered this week that's awesome. OWC has this really good PDF um, to explain how to properly do thunderbolt daisy chaining i've never seen this anywhere else before and it's really handy so i'll i'll put that into notes um dan i'm using your cockamamie app here how long have we been recording i can't even tell we have been recording now for i'm clicking i'm looking uh let's see it says 30 minutes uh, it says 45 Ah, minutes christ on a crutch dan we got to talk about calendars but this stuff is not without a cost is there any chance That you, there's anything that you could tell me about that you like? I, yes, there is. I would like to tell you about one of my all time favorite sponsors. It's Masterclass. Masterclass. Big fan, big fan, big fan. Such a pretty video. You can watch it on the Apple TV. You're not looking on your phone like some kind of a monster. That's right. Beautiful. Masterclass. Let me just tell you what Masterclass is. Masterclass is a a website. It's masterclass.com. You go there. And they have classes there from masters, right? You guys, you figure that out. But these are people who are absolutely amazing in their field. A lot of these, most of these people, I'm going to say, are, are famous people that you've heard of. These are people that you know, if I were to say their names, for example, uh, Roy Choi on Intuitive Cooking. This is a new the, class. The comedian Steve Martin, perhaps you've heard of him. He's, a, he's I mean, he's up and coming. Shonda Rhimes um, of Shondaland. Shonda yes. Rhimes is on there. 
You got, uh, of course, yes. you got you've got the amazing series with with David Lynch. You got that that angry the angry guy who rubs his face, uh, Gordon Ramsay. It's yes. rotten, Muhammad. Yeah, they've got a new one. Bill Nye is talking about science and problems. The science, the science guy, not the English actor. That's Bill Nye. They Nye. should get Bill Nye. So the way that it works is masterclass. You're going to learn from the world's best minds. You're going to learn anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. So you pick the course that you're interested in, the instructor that you like, and then there are going to be these little, basically it's broken down into like 10 or 15 minute segments that you can watch these video lessons and you watch them at your own pace, right? So maybe you've got 10 or 15 minutes to kill in between things. Uh-huh. You want to watch something fun at lunch. You want to watch something while you're on your rower. You know what I'm I saying? Do. Like you can enjoy this, but you can watch them on your phone, the, the web, a smart TV, all these devices, the Apple TV, like you said, they're all there. They follow you around there wherever you want. And all of this stuff that has like each class has downloadable materials too. So there might be lessons, there might be recipes. They, and some of these things are like legit books like that you could download. It's really, really cool. And you learn so many cool things from people who are clearly masters and really, really love the stuff that they're doing. You could learn how to make like a Michelin star kind of a dinner. You can, I mean, you could learn how to make movies. Mm-hmm. Hey, can I pitch one? I, I mentioned this one before, yeah. but it's a good example of what you're talking about. I'm very interested in this uh, this guy, Chris Voss. We talked about it here. This is that guy who used to be an FBI negotiator. And this is admittedly sort of, you know, business focused, but this is why I love this. So he has, a, he has it's called New from Masterclass Sessions, okay? Win mm-hmm. workplace negotiations. I will put this into show notes. Here's what's neat about this. You, you land on this page, and yeah, you can just jump in. Like Dan says, these are very mm, bite-sized. It's not an amuse-bouche, but it's certainly it's not a full plate. It's a, it's a multi-course meal of amuse-bouche. So in this case, you go in, and guess what? Imagine, jeez, I can't even compare this to a YouTube playlist. It's a curriculum. It's a contract. Yes, I like I like. Here's an introduction. That goes into the overview. Meet your instructors. Write down your goals, et cetera. It shows you there's an outline for what it is you're about to watch and learn. And if you're a little cheaty butt like I am, you might jump straight to a video that particularly interests you. But there is a progression of this. It is a master class. Mm-hmm. Chris Voss. There you go. Or what, what, where do people get go. this? What do they do? Well, it's pretty okay. easy. This is the fun part is you go to master class.com and when you go there you are actually going to get a special discount that only our listeners can get it's 15 percent off an annual membership and that's the way that this works this is a membership thing and you get access to everything on there and i love this kind of thing because i find that yeah i look at youtube and i do other things to watch but like especially when i'm working out or in the kitchen making a dinner or something like that i really enjoy learning stuff And this is the kind of thing where you know every time you're going to get really, really great quality. That's the thing. You know anything you watch. You're gonna be like, "What? I don't, I don't care about intuitive cooking." Guess what? Watch it. For it's like not gonna five be one of those. Um, you'll be hooked. I don't, don't want to mention any brand names here, but it's not gonna be like when you go to a popular online video site and, and it's mostly about about thanking their patrons and and like getting you to match no. that that bell. This is like this is a, this is professional stuff, Dan. Oh, very high, quality. very high there's quality. Over there's hundreds of lessons from more than a hundred uh, different. This would be a great gift, and really like good I said, gift for somebody. iOS, Android, desktop, Apple TV, mm-hmm. Amazon, uh, Fire TV, even or even mm-hmm. the Roku, <gasps> even the Roku. Such small hands. 
And so the uh, an annual membership starts at 180 bucks, which at first you're like, well, wait, what am I getting for that? You're getting access to everything, unlimited access to every masterclass and Back to work listeners get 15% off Woof. an annual membership. That's the way to do it. So go to masterclass.com slash back to work. That's important that you do the masterclass.com slash back to work. That's the way that you're going to get 15% off. It's a great thing. Go check it out. I love it. And I think our listeners will too, Merlin. So thanks very much to Masterclass for making this show possible. Thank you, Masterclass. Buck, buck. Dan, in as much as you're yes. comfortable and able, can you talk to me? About calendars. We talked a little about calendars last week, but, you know, as, as Wu-Tang says, the saga continues. Yes. Yeah, so I have been doing more and more and more uh, calendar stuff. Because you're doing more and more uh, work at this new joint, right? Yes. And it's one of those things where, you know, everybody, everybody is needing to schedule stuff. So if you were to look at my calendar, you're going to see a combination of things. On the one hand... I, you know, I, I have my own calendar. This is my personal calendar, right? And then I have a family calendar, which is going to have things on it like the, or my daughter's orthodontist appointment. Oh no, I'm sorry. Example. Well, yeah. I she mean, needs both, mouth, mouth fixing. Have, that's such oh a, we got to talk God. about that. Some, she, and orthodonture is such a jam up. I know. She has a palate expander in right now. Oh, we've dealt with that. Palate expander. You go in there and it's just like an assembly line. It's, an, it's a nightmare. <sighs> I don't, I don't like it at all. You, you, but that's got you got to write that down. It's like they say at field notes. You know, I, I'm I'm not writing it down to remember it later. I'm writing it down to remember it now, but also later. Yeah, yeah. Because if you don't write um, it down, it doesn't go anywhere. This will stress you out. Yeah. And if ugh, and then with other people, Dan, other people, that's the problem. They're the worst. They are the, worst. the worst. And so you have to share with uh -huh. them. You have to share. And so I have my, you know, my my several personal calendars, some of which, you know, like the two that I mentioned actually are appointments. And then there are other ones for my work stuff that I do. So I have like the one main account for work that I'll put my uh, appointments and things like that on. I have the, there's a calendar of stuff that I do with Fireside. Mm -hmm. There's of course these recordings. And so I have lots and lots of different calendars. And I find that, you know, in order to share my busy times, there are different services that will kind of, that what they'll do is they'll sort of try to access all of those calendars and then allow you to schedule different events with different people. One of these is, is Calendly, which is kind of the famous huh. one. Hey, wait, wait, say that about. again. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm adding links so I don't forget. Tell, tell me what Calendly is real quickly. Calendly. It's, it's C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y. Okay. Uh, calendly.com and what this does they call it your hub for scheduling meetings basically what this is is you sign up for a calendly uh, account and you then grant it access to <clears throat> excuse me all of your different calendars okay. that you have regardless of which account they're on or whatever oh i see it's like a middleman so like like it's not a, a scraper man. but like it does it does the kinds of things where like if these were on it's almost the way you take a take a photo of a screen that you're not allowed to capture like this this wrangles all of your different calendar stuff into one calendly that is okay. correct and what you do then with that once you've got that is you take this thing and you share the link with other people and you say, just, you know, pick an available time. It's almost the same way that you would be scheduling 
with, you know, an appointment with a haircut place or a reservation at a restaurant. You're going to see what tables are open at which times. This shows other people what meeting slots based on. And this, this gets to that, that availability picked. problem we talked about last week. That it's, it's, it's exactly. If everybody's using it in different ways or doesn't use it at all. And th- this gives you an insight into where there's a, a, a time hole. That's mm-hmm. right. And what is kind of important about it or what it lets you do is it, it lets you have your availability without exposing what you're actually doing. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to say, well, Dan can't meet now because he has to take his daughter to the orthodontist. Yeah, I just thought it's it a black box. That. You know, the box is there, the but you don't box. know what's in it. Yeah. And not even that. It's just, these are Dan's available times. Mm. And that way Mm. they don't, they don't know if these are available because you've chosen to make yourself available or because there's another appointment or whatever. None of their business. None of their business. But what's tedious about this is that's kind of a crappy experience for people who actually want to book it that are like within your own organization or that are within your own purview or something like that. This is fine if it's like Bob wants to just have a a meeting and you're like, Hey Bob, here's my available time. That's fine. Mm. But if this is someone who's maybe even scheduling the appointments for you or wanting to, you know, make all of this stuff happen for uh-huh. you, it's it's a totally different thing because these are people who like, for example, if you have a project manager who's trying to schedule meetings for other people, you know, you want to make sure that they know your availability. But here is another tricky part of this. OK, uh-huh. the other tricky part of this is. Let's say that they can't see what my two o'clock appointment is. They don't know if it's just a meeting with, you know, the developer on the team or if I'm going to be driving to a doctor appointment. <laughs> or going time. to a job interview somewhere else. Well, no, I'm just too. saying like it's it's like, a, but but so there's it's. A, it's a, well, the downside yeah. is if I if I have let's say that I have a doctor's appointment at 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. I will be told by my amazing Fantastic Al calendar that I'm gonna. It's gonna take me 18 minutes to get there, so that at 18 minutes before two, it's gonna say leave now to get there on time, and I'm gonna leave. But guess what? No one else knows that. So they have actually booked me in a meeting until two, but I'm not really available until <sighs> right. two. I'm available until two. Two whatever, o'clock is when the thing is happening, regardless right. of how long it takes for you to get there. The prep work, the, all that kind of stuff. That's just that's what you blocked out for you knowing when the thing is happening. But right, you know, I know that I can't be. In people a don't account for that. That's a good point. I'm be driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then not only don't they account for it, they can't account for it because they don't know what that meeting is. So do I artificially yeah. inflate? If that's a the call at your time? desk. Versus right. something where you have to go across town. Those are different animals. Exactly right. Exactly right. And so this is this is a problem that Calendly and other services like this uh, do not uh, account okay. for. So you know we have we have still have a lot of these scheduling issues and things like that. And so I was actually working with the project manager, and he said uh, he's like you know can we meet tomorrow at two? I'm like. Oh, right. You're not seeing either my publicly available calendar for the company. Uh, You're also not seeing my personal calendars either. So I now have to go in and share all of these other calendars with this poor guy (laughs) who doesn't want to. And you're just you're just one of those people. I am one of probably seven. I've been I've been that particular person. And it is right. Boy, you talk about, you know, the outhouse is at the top of the hill and everything goes downhill. That's where the project manager lives. It's just there's so yes. many outhouses that you have to go and visit. Yeah, it's yes. difficult. Okay. 
It's difficult. And I don't, you know, the thing is I'm working as I'm kind of working on my calendar, what I'm calling my calendar culture. <laughs> I don't really know the best way to handle this kind of thing. So I've been experimenting with different techniques, different ways to do it. And this is the thing is like, I can't tell you every single day, I will have this same exact conversation I'm about to, um, to give an example of, I will have the same conversation with minimum three people. Um, so for our next meeting, can you, could you do 3 p.m. on Thursday? No, I can't. Oh, okay. God. Okay. Wait. Oh, are you sent? Yo, no, you're central time. So that would actually be 5 p.m. your time on Thursday. Can you, can you do it then? No, you can't. Okay. How about Tuesday at through, no, actually 1.30. Could you do one? We could, well, we could cut the meeting to half an hour and we could do it at 1.30, but that's 1.30 Pacific time. What, uh, what is that? 3.30? Oh, is, no, I see. This is so much harder than it sounds. Oh my God, Merlin. Okay, and then and what, it's 2022. Hope that nothing changes or that you didn't right. get anything God forbid wrong, something or that changes. you didn't account for the time change or you didn't account for like travel or like it happens all, this was my life in 2003 was trying to so like the, get I, different people from a major airline. A nightmare. on different continents a to be on the same call. It's a nightmare. And so the one solution that I've come up with this, which does work well for team, for specific mm -hmm. team meetings is you can have companies that uh, companies, you can have calendars that are sort of company wide or team wide. So for example, you might make a development calendar and on the development calendar, you're going to put every meeting that all of those people who are members of that calendar are required to go to. And you can put that down and say, okay, at three o'clock my time, I'm going to book this meeting and everyone on the team will. And will the project be on manager the could all see that that's it. blocked out for a development thing. Yes. As, and they as opposed to your private calendar. Into that. I get it. Exactly. That's big. So they that's can real big. See, yeah, they can look at it. And they can help prioritize, say, okay. like, who needs to and be on this call with? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's smart. And they <sighs> then know what's good. So that way, if everybody, instead of having individual calendars that everybody has, all you have to do is have team calendars or company calendars. And you know that a company call or event or whatever supersedes any of these other ones. And so that way now as a project manager or a person who's handling the scheduling for a team or for colleagues, you can now say, look, I have this development calendar and these are the meetings that we have on the development mm -hmm. calendar. And everybody's expected to go to these things. If you're a developer, you're going to go. Maybe there's one for the marketing team, one for the sales team, one for the you know engineering group, whatever. And then there's a company one. And that way the key players are all subscribed to their these calendars and they know what's going on and they're going to the meetings that they need to go to. And so then if you need to schedule something, you just look at the big calendar and you're like, well, there's nothing there. So I'm booking it. Yes. You still have the problem of people's personal calendars. And like someone has a dentist appointment, someone has to pick up their kids from school. Someone has someone coming to their house to do a repair, all the common things that you have to deal with. You're still navigating those to some degree, but if these, if there are things showing up on the main calendars, then you can schedule around those with your personal events. And it, it's not a perfect fix, but it seems to help a whole lot. And so that's been kind of the thing, but this is a question I have yeah. for you. Um, and I, I, I hinted at this one before we started the show. So I'm wondering if you have a solution for it. A friend of mine said, I said, Hey, you know, when, when can we meet y'all for dinner? We haven't gotten together in a long time. And he's like, Oh man, I'm doing tons of traveling this month. Sometime the end of April, beginning of May is when we could we could do it. And, you know, the joke is that it's impossible to schedule anything with anyone anymore to do things socially. Huh. You can't just say, let's go grab a drink or grab a bite. You've got to schedule it. That's funny. <laughs> 
But in reality, what am I supposed to do with that? So I know that Anthony said he wants to hang out uh, end of April. Well, right now, as we record this, Merlin, it's April 5th. What do I do with uh-huh. that? Do I, put, do I try and schedule it with him now when clearly he does not know yet his availability? Do I put some kind of tickler to remind me to remind him that we are going to have a dinner? What if it fills up before that? You know, what do you do with that? Right. What do you do with let's hang out in three weeks? Well, do do it depends. That? Do you want the perfect world version or do you want the real world version? Uh, I mean, real world. Well, but the, perfect, the world perfect world version is you uh, never do it at all or you you schedule it right now and then cancel it a few days before. The real world example requires. Uh, it seems like I'm changing the topic, and I hope I'm not. Like, let me let me ask you just hypothetically: Is this something you you would really like to do? Yes. Is it something that like you think they would really like to do? Yes. Do you have a rough idea? So you have a rough idea of like within this ten day period, probably. I would say I would say it does not hurt to do first a lot of specificity and then follow that up with some seeming generality. The specificity would be one I mean, you know, it's like when I go home, I finally had to say to my my family whom whom I love, you know, look, I just I, I, I don't want to come home every night and immediately talk about what's for dinner. If you're hungry, eat. Like if you want to have a meal that like we're going to deliver or we, we meal plan for, like I, I don't want to talk about that f- at 5 p.m. Right? No. It's like when you say to somebody, and you say, and this is a bit, this is kind of a stand-up bit, but when you say to your family, what do you want for dinner? And they go, my kid's famous phrase, I'm really trying to get them to stop using, I'm good. Is that a no thank you or a yes yeah, please? Or like ideally, will you help me out? Will you go to dinner? Will, Will you? you go to dinner? It yes. doesn't help. See, what I'm trying to do, there's a cognitive load that I would like shared here. When I ask you what you want for dinner, it's yes, because I would like to please you. And if I'm going to spend money on delivery, I would like it to be for something that you will eat rather than go, ew, this has a yellow sauce. Um, but I'm really asking for help. Now, okay. If so, you know what I'll do sometimes is then I'll just I'll just say fine, screw it. Hey, is uh, is uh, is the local burrito place okay with you guys? I'll go get burritos, right? Um, the specificity would be if you do like this person. This is an easy one. If you like the person and want to do this, like, do you have an idea in mind, uh, hypothetically, rhetorically? Like, is there a restaurant that would be good to go to? Why don't we start with some fair specificity? If you know where the person lives or works or whatever, you know, you could do a little bit of the mental math on this. You remember I said last week, and I, I, you've already given me a counterexample of this, but last yes. week I said, you know, 80% of the time, if you suggest a date and time to do mm-hmm. something, within uh-huh. one try or perhaps two tries, you will get that. The unnecessary overhead of going back and forth and back and forth and back, it's better to start with something anchoring to something that's concrete and real and mm-hmm. then changing if needed rather than dithering about all the possibilities. I think that's when your mind goes a little bit, um, how can I put this? We, we go a little bit numb towards stuff. We were like, oh yeah, we have general plans or something in April. Huh? Huh? So like, let's say there's a place, uh, like let's say there's a tapas place that's convenient and nearby. You could be the cool guy. And say, hey, look, hey, do you like uh, Spanish food? There's this tapas place I've been meaning to check out. Um, and they'll probably say, yeah, that sounds great. It's nearby, whatever. And then uh, this is, again, just the specificity is like, and is it be- And just generally for you, is it better for you to do weekends, non-weekends? Are there any times that are generally open? 
secret about my life, I would prefer that people not leverage, is that I, I've tried for most of my adult career recently to keep Thursdays open. That means Thursdays can be where things go that couldn't go anyplace else, but it also means if I don't have those things, I can do the things that I would like to do for my work. The things that yes. I can't do if I'm obligated with other people. So, I mean, I, I could be wrong here, but I think starting with specificity is smart. It's smart. So you say, hey, Marty, you like tapas? Cool. Hey, um, what would you think of, uh, I know you're busy with your kids on weekends probably, what would you think about us going to get tapas after work uh, on this Wednesday? Now, that, that may not work, but I think if you want to do this, you need to telegraph to this person that A, you want to do it, B, uh, it is going to happen, and C, maybe you'll take care of it. So you could say, hey, should I make a reservation at, at that place for blah, blah, blah? And then hey, that person might very well say, well, you know, I'm busy salary, man. I can't commit to that right now. And that's where we get to the generalities. You know, if you want to do something, do it. Um, somebody, I want to say from political Twitter, um, shoot, the Washington Post reporter whose name's escaping me, Ashley Parker, pointed to this uh, wonderful piece that I'll put in show notes, David Plotz. Uh, wrote for Slate a few years back, which is like, stop saying yes to things in the future if it's not something you would do tomorrow. And I thought mm. it was such a, it's such a good, short, succinct piece of advice where a lot of people, you know, who are not as enlightened as I am would go, well, I don't understand. I agree to lots of things. Well, if you wouldn't do it tomorrow, if you wouldn't do it later this week, why do you think you'll have the time, resources, interest, bandwidth to do it in four years? There's this cognitive yeah. thing that happens where the further something is away in time, the, the less we will think about the place it finds in our life. It's like the hilarious, the wonderful scene. I think this was improvised, but wonderful scene in uh, Wet Hot American Summer where they're like, hey, let's get together in 20 years. And, we, and it's like, oh, yeah, what did, when should we do it in 20 years? Uh, oh, I don't know. Should we do it at 11? <laughs> and Michael Ian Black says something like, no, I can't do it. Then I already have something. <laughs> such a great scene but yeah. you know what I mean like it, it's it, I, I'm going somewhere kind of with this which is that if something is in the future and nebulous and you haven't landed on it like how much specificity have I really given here well there's a certain kind of restaurant that has a certain kind of food that you can imagine yourself walking into on a certain night well yeah. now you've got something to change rather than having something that doesn't exist if you start with as we used to say in my business a stake in the ground hey stake in the ground let's go uh, let's get tapas that week maybe Wednesday or Thursday, right? I think that's, does that make a difference? I think it does because now it's no longer that far in the future or that nebulous. Next month happens so much faster than you realize. Dude, I'm just here to tell you, four years from now arrives faster than you realize. If it's something that you want to do, something you intend to do, why am I, why am I leaning on that so heavily? Because I believe, like friend of the show, David Allen, that stuff stays on your radar screen long after you've realized you're not going to do it. You just haven't mm -hmm. grown up enough to realize you're not going to do it. Right, if you were going right, to do right. it, it would already be done. See also, you know, New Year's resolutions. If you really want to do this, we'll get get moving. So that's that's and and what, why am I saying that? Because that makes it real. It makes it a thing. And now you can both imagining having small plates. Is this your first time dining with us? Will it matter? Anyway, you can imagine all of that. And even if you don't put a time and date certain on it right now, you know what it is you're planning towards. Are you still up for tapas, tapas next week? Now, the general part where I pull back here is to say, if it's an interval of time, one of those lamentable, like you're talking about here, like let's say three weeks. Three weeks is just enough time to really lose it in the lights. 
So, I mean, this is really obvious, but if, if your friend is committed mostly to doing it, and now it's mainly a question of when, give yourself a reminder to, to ping them um, on that Monday when they're back or whatever, just to sort of finalize it. This is also, again, a good use for that thing I mentioned last week. And I, I worry that this doesn't make any sense when I say this, but nothing goes on my calendar unless it dies that day. Right, that's my right. ethos. If if it if it if it could just be scooted around, or I could just space on it and nothing would happen, you know what goes on your calendar? Stuff like plane flights, stuff mm-hmm. like parties, stuff like meetings. What doesn't go on your list is a banner across five days that says "Start novel." That's, I, I, I don't have the time. We'd have to start a whole other show just for me to tell you what a terrible idea that is. You are mm-hmm. rehearsing failure when you do that. You are rehearsing success when you begin with specificity and then change it as needed. Unless the person thinks you're being a dick about it. Like if they want to do it too, why don't you get it as far along as you can the second you're talking about it? I used to run into this all the time, like even during the comic meetup times where I'd visit with people and like, I was, I was like, look, I'm going to write down, I'm not going to remember anything that happened here tonight because I don't have the brain for that. What I'm going to write down on this card, this index card in hand to you is my email address. And, uh, and I'm going to write down here, like, this is what we talked about. Will you send, and this is really, I'm asking, I'm really, I'm asking for people to do my emotional labor, but would you do me a favor? Cause I really would like to hang out with you. Would you do me a favor and email me next Thursday about this or whenever, but, and remind us, remind me what we talked about. I'm, I'm sorry to have to do this to you, but I'm not going to take out my phone and write all this down now. But if you want to do this, and the person wants to do it more than me, remember, also Merlin's, Merlin's Wisdom Project, whoever wants uh, the meeting more has the least power. Like, <laughs> take this card, go home, email me, remind me, and then we'll do it. Because I can't do that with eight people and remember all of that. If they really want right. to do it, well, help me out. Help a brother out. Hey, yeah, we talked about, you know, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz's, uh, you know, New Mutants, and uh, we talked about getting a coffee. Yeah, cool, do that. Get specific. Get as specific as you can if you want it to actually happen. So, yeah, I think when you say tickler, I think that's not a bad idea. That three-week thing can be brutal. But you say to that person, so as far as you know, you'll be back on thus and such date. Would that be a good time to ping you about this? Now, corollary. You don't need to be a pill about this. You don't want to, like, you know, and really, after that conversation that you've just had, it'll be clear by the time you're done, especially if that person with that person's um, body language. It might be really clear whether this is a thing they really want to and plan to do or whether they're just saying words, I don't have a dog in that fight. But if it is something both of you want to do, put it on the calendar now. And if you can't put it on the calendar now, pencil it in. How do you pencil it in? Well, Merlin does not put anything on his calendar Unless it's in the third person. No, I don't put anything on my calendar that won't <laughs> die that day. So what does that mean? But yeah. I still sometimes need to block out time. I'm going to repeat this because this is so powerful that it's worth repeating because I probably glossed over it a little bit last week. Let's, let's, let's go to this situation. Um, uh, what should we call your guy? Let's see, you're Dan, so we can't call him Dan. We'll call him Dougie. Call him something else. Call something else, yeah. Dougie. So you and Dougie yeah. want to go get tapas. And you're pretty sure. He's like, oh, you know, actually Thursday night the... Liberty Vith sounds fine. That sounds good, but I'm not really positive. I'd have to let's 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 circle back when I'm back in town to make sure to confirm. This is where you get into my dumb trick, which is sometimes I need to block out time for something I'm more than 25 percent 
rupture will happen. Maybe that's you and me rescheduling something. I haven't confirmed with you that we've rescheduled to this thus and such date and time. And this is what I do. I do my usual fantastic calendar things. Like great mm-hmm. title, use the emoji, write all the stuff as much as I know about it. You know, I might even drop something into the notes field that says we talked about this on thus and such date. That's what notes are for, guys. Notes are for writing. Notes are for remembering. But then you know what you do? You have you say, um, top us with Dougie at, uh, you know, uh, Labano, Albano. We're going to Albano. We're going to Albano for tapas. <laughs> That's funny. I think it's a bathroom. And, um, but you, uh, you do that, and you know what you do? Here's what you do. And, and I'm not trying to be cute about Spanish here. There, if you hit um, um, option, shift, yeah. So shift and then... Uh, question mark gives you a question mark. Option shift gives you a Spanish language question mark. Which, can I just say in passing, it sucks that we don't have this in English. Why do we not mm-hmm. know at the beginning of a sentence that something is a question? Why do you not know something is a question until the end? If it's got a dependent... Hey, we, gotta start, we gotta start adding it. Well, I yourself. really love it. But like, let's say it's got some dependent clauses and you say, you know, oh, you know, in, in the event that the tapas restaurant is blah, 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 comma, would you like to... Blah, oh, you got me with a question. Put your pregunta mark, the upside down Spanish, uh, Spanish question mark. Why do that? Because that is your signal to yourself that at the time you put that on your sacred calendar, you did not, it was not fully confirmed but you're as committed to it as you can be, given that it's not confirmed. Maybe you're not confirmed right. on date. Maybe you're not confirmed on time. But it's on your calendar. You've blocked it out. What does it mean when we say block it out? It means make sure you don't schedule anything else there. Like if I'm going to do a thing if my, you know, with my kid or my family, whatever, work, I, you block it out. And why put that upside down question mark? Because now you know. Like if you're using your calendar correctly, there should be all kinds of stuff you've forgotten is on there. Is that bad? No. That means your calendar is working. If you're worried whether you've done a proper mental dump to make sure your calendar has everything on it, you're doing it wrong. Mm. you got to do that earlier. That moment is the time to write it down. And that little question mark, that little upside-down question mark, why is that great? It's the very first thing in the title of the event, meaning that, first of all, you'll immediately know whether that is finalized or not. But also, that's a cue to you to, on a regular basis, comb through your calendar. If, if you're, you know, you don't have to be a, an acolyte of getting things done to do something that I swear by, which is every weekend I look at what I did last week and what I'm doing next week, and making sure there's nothing I didn't follow up on. So, no, sorry, let me put this differently. That enables me to go back. What did I do last week? Is there anything I missed? Is there anything, any mopping up that I need to do? Did I promise to send somebody something? Or is there a nice thing that I could do for this person that would surprise and delight them? You know, we were, had a phone call and they mentioned smart lights and then I sent them this Lutron Cassette or whatever. So that's a nice way to be a nice person. But critically, you're looking at next week. What happens next week? Am I prepared for that? Did I miss any overlaps? Did I plan something really early on the morning after I planned something really late? Well, you're real smart. You probably don't do stuff like that, unless you do. Am I double booked? Is there anything that I noticed that I forgot here? Are there any holes? Are there any events next week, this month, whatever, that begin with an upside down question mark? Well, guess what? Hmm. You get two options at this point. You confirm it or you delete it. And that, that little, that dumb little trick will save your bacon because first of all, you've blocked it out. 
Because normally a normal person, if you are following the Merlin regimen of being a really tightly wound about your calendar, sure you've written it down. But if you've written it down and it's not settled, how do you know? There's no piece of metadata I'm aware of that works across all calendar apps. Use the humble Pregunta mark. And now you have a way to scan quickly. You could even go to like BusyCal or Fantastical will let you do a list view. Scan through everything on the next quarter of your calendar and look for that upside down question mark. And now that becomes a task. Just to make this very getting things done. Now your task is follow up with Dougie. Are we still doing tapas? You know, see or no? Um, but then, um, but then I would say, yeah, then have yourself a tickler, have yourself a merry little tickler and get a day when you can follow up with them or their assistant or whomever, just to, just to, to finalize uh, the date. There may be better ways, but I don't know of a more sort of efficient, streamlined, non-asshole way to do that. And if, if you know what, and then again, like this is, um, oh God, what was I watching? It must've been, uh, the Gilded Age. No, it was something. No. What show? But you know. Oh, you know what it was? It was Mr. Mayor with uh, uh, April from Parks and Rec. And it's like, you know, you can ask a girl on a date once, but unless she responds very enthusiastically, yes, immediately, you must never ask again. That's the rule. That's the middle path. The middle path is you probably shouldn't be asking people on dates. But if you're going to ask somebody on a date, if they don't respond very enthusiastically right then, be a gentleman and let it go. So in that case, maybe no yeah. tapas for Dan. But That's it. No tapas for Give me Dan. another one. Anymore? Well, that was the main. That was the. Does main that make sense? Would that, that work for main. you and Dougie? I think it would. I think it really mm. would. I think it's. I like tapas. You know, it's, it's a small plate. Mm -hmm. This yeah. your first time dining with us. Mm -hmm. Oh my god! It is my first time. Did I skip orientation? Should I have watched a video? Is it different here? Does the food go in a different direction? Jesus Christ! I don't know if I'm ready for this dinner. First time dining with us. Um. I would love to talk more in the future about calendars because I just can't get enough of talking about calendars. And, you know, I, no, I like I'm just going to introduce, this is going to be my little quick stick in the ground because I was thinking about this last night when I was urinating. I was thinking about us and calendars, me and you and, and mm. everyone you calendar. I was thinking about it and I was thinking about like, you know, I do go on about this stuff and, I, and I'm very shrill about this because I think I, I personally feel one should be that way about their calendar. Something I said in that document, which I'll put in notes because I'm full of myself, your calendar represents a portfolio of promises to your future self. So you must treat it that way. Now, if you think that sounds fancy, your life sucks. Because can people count on you for anything? Will you just remember all of that always? We'll enjoy that until you're 26. Mm -hmm. Write it down. Mm -hmm. Take it seriously. And then also when it's on the calendar, like a thousand flowers bloom. Like now your family knows, you know, I still, my family doesn't look at my calendar as much as I do. So on the way out this morning, I'm like, hey, don't forget, I got reconcilable differences tonight. You're on your own for dinner. Just heads up. I mean, it's nothing's going to fall apart because of that. But if we all did more than 50% of our part of the load in communicating this stuff well, exposing it to others who need to know about it, and then treating, treating other people's time in a responsible way, like it would be such a better world. And that really, you know, let it begin with me. That begins with me taking this stuff seriously. You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're overwhelmed by your calendar, I mean, there's not that many options because you're, if your calendar does reflect who you are and what you're doing, which is what it does. What is, I mean, what is anything? It's your existence, your time on earth, all those, those, those seconds, hours, and years. That's what your calendar is. If you think it's just a place to put a, you know, put a star up because you remember to bathe, like that's not ideal. This 
you can leverage your calendar to be a very powerful friend rather than a, a, an angry boss. And uh, I like calendars. I'd like to talk more about it. Let's Are you going to contact Dougie today? I'm going to reach out. You can say De- Deseo, Deseo Tapas, Senor Doug, mm-hmm. Doogie? Yes, indeed. Mama Zapatalista Tapas. The tail bit the conentuladi, so be it potre fruta. Corta el pelo de trate la tarejas. Doggy, Senor Doggy. I'm not even. Is that, is, now, is that offensive to Barcelonians? Want to talk like that? I don't think there's a single Barcelonian listening to this show. Well, write in. Let us know. We probably won't be able no. to read it. You know, my, my, uh, I, I had good pronunciation and pretty good vocabulario, but I really haven't kept it up. And my verbs have gotten extremely irregular, like my BMs. Dan, let's button this up. Hello? Okay. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.